It must be Thursday. Welcome to Learning Unwrapped, the podcast about your most important life skill, learning. My guest today is the founder, chef, and CEO of New York City's only meal delivery service for kids. Over the years, this chef realized that there was a huge gap in the culinary industry when it came to kids' food and the way we feed our children. She created and launched Kids Table in hopes to change the way we talk about kids' food, create diversity and inclusion in the kids' food space, and promote confident, healthy, and adventurous eaters. Please welcome Anicia Anya. Hello. Hi, Anicia. It's great to have you here today. I'm so excited to be here. I'm living in Florida now, but I used to live up in the New York City area and just love going into New York City and in some of the great restaurants there. So uh, I'm really fascinated to share your story and your journey of how you got to kids' tables. So here we go. Yeah, I'm excited. It's been a whirlwind, but I'm happy (laughs) to share. (laughs) So, you know, I've tried food delivery services from those where you receive either all the ingredients and you have to cook it yourself to those that simply require some microwaving or stovetop heating. And I feel like they are marketed to the busy professionals, those looking for specific types of food and pretty much adult oriented. But you actually create, package and deliver meals for kids. And I love that your mission is to create healthy, confident and adventurous eaters. So tell me, why is this important to you? And why should it be important to moms and dads everywhere? I just, like you, I often ordered from, you know, other meal services. And then as I became a chef, I started creating meals for families. And I just saw that there was a huge gap when it came to feeding kids. I saw that a lot of these companies were not servicing children. And, you know, parents were super busy. They're working. And at the end of the day, they were kind of just looking for something quick and easy to make their kid that takes like two seconds. And When you do that, oftentimes those kind of meals are really processed and, you know, parents, they kind of feel guilty about that. And I just saw in the pandemic, there became this need, Um, you know, families were at home, they were working at home, they were exercising at home, they were doing remote learning, they were doing almost everything at home. And cooking was kind of one of the last things that they had time to do. And again, ordering from all these different meal services, But these services definitely did not create meals with kids in mind in regards to growing their palates. And so I surveyed a lot of different parents in New York City, friends from the Midwest who are now parents. And that was just their want. They were like, I would love to order a service that is for kids and that is healthy and that is also globally inspired and has like a more diverse menu versus just the simple like mac and cheese and chicken nuggets. I know that it drives me crazy And I I have not been a mother of young children where I have had to cook for children, but it does drive me crazy when I see young children eating what I would not eat as an adult, you know, a lot of flour, a lot of sugar. Even now I run an educational consulting company, IDE Corp, and we work in a lot of schools and a lot of schools with Title I students who are on free and reduced lunch. And in some places, they're getting breakfast delivered. And I notice that the breakfast is coming in and you can either have the pancakes or the cereal. And I'm like, even our government isn't feeding kids good food here in the United States. So it drives me nuts. And you talk to a lot of educators, a lot of pediatricians, you know, 
professionals that spend a lot of time with kids and experiencing their different behavioral patterns, the developmental phases. And they learn that a lot of these issues stem from, you know, a lot of the chaos in the classroom stems from having a diet that is just so high in sugar, so high in processed ingredients, and just not great for brain food and to energize and fuel kids throughout the day. So they end up crashing, they end up having meltdowns, they end up having tantrums, and it becomes this issue that, you know, stems from nutrition and what we are putting in our bodies. I know, too, that kids can be picky eaters, but it's interesting. When I look at my life, I, at the age of, I guess it would be 10, I was in fourth grade, I really didn't want to eat eggs. You know, my parents would eat eggs for breakfast, and I didn't want to eat eggs. I have learned later from a food sensitivity test that I am highly sensitive to egg whites and then secondarily sensitive to egg yolks. So So even though I don't get the rash or anything that would say that it's a emergency situation. Apparently my body doesn't like them. And I feel like when you're a kid, your body actually directs your brain to say, stay away from the eggs. So yeah. I didn't want to eat eggs, but I mean, you know, what's there to eat, et cetera. So my mom and dad drank coffee all the time. And I just thought I wanted to be like them. So I used to drink a cup of coffee, caffeinated and eat chocolate chip cookies for breakfast. And back in the day, my mom asked her doctor, like, she said, I'm worried. The only thing she's going to eat is chocolate chip cookies. And the doctor said, don't worry, a kid will never starve themselves. Every day when I went to school, by about 10 o'clock, I had a migraine headache. And 10 o'clock, I mean, this is the funniest, weirdest situation in the world. I was in the gifted class. And so part of that was that you got French lessons in fourth grade. And the French lessons were offered in the only available space, which was the nurse's office. Well, just about the time when it was time to go to French lessons, I would get this migraine headache where I just couldn't even think straight. I would go to the nurse's office. I'd be laying on the couch in the nurse's office, and then my French class comes in. And so kids were making fun of me that I'd rather you know, take French class lying down and not being called on, which wasn't true. And at one point, the school suggested I was a hypochondriac. And of course, years later, I'm like, you gave me sugar and caffeine in the morning. And by 10 o'clock, boom, I was gone. So yes. how do you, I think we know more about food now. You know, my mother loved me very much and would never want to do anything bad for me. We know a lot more about nutrition now. How do parents deal with the finicky eater? You know, I get a lot of parents that come to me and they're like, oh my gosh, Anisha, my kid only eats these two things and that's it. And I often tell parents that, you know, it's okay. Like if your kid is a picky eater, there are just different patterns or different exercises that you can do with your child to get them to explore new foods and new textures and new like flavors. And the one thing that I often tell parents is don't force feed. I think, you know, I, especially in my household, it was like, we had a very like clean plate policy, like you must eat everything on your plate, like you must. And I think as the years gone by, and as we learn more about eating patterns, eating behaviors, and nutrition, we have learned that, you know, it's okay if we don't fully finish our food, you know, if we're satisfied, it's fine. And you mentioned pediatricians will say, a kid will not starve himself or herself. 
And so I just focus on letting parents change those behaviors. And then oftentimes changing the way that they're asking kids or giving kids options about food. You know, I often say have two dishes or two different vegetables and say, do you want the carrot or the broccoli? Giving them really no option to say, I don't want, I don't want the carrot or I don't want the, you know, these are the options that they can have. I love that. That's psychologically very good. And builds executive function because you're asking students to make a choice. You're giving them the choice. But as you said, there's no option to say, I'm not eating a vegetable, but it's like, which one do you want? I love that. Yeah, exactly. Also getting kids involved with food, allowing them to touch, to feel, to taste, whether that's, you know, while you're in the grocery store, allowing them to run through the aisles and look at different things. Um, And then also when you're cooking, allowing them to help in the kitchen, whether it's mixing or touching or rolling out cookie dough, or, you know, allowing them to put toppings on their own pizza. I think, you know, when kids have that hand to touch to feel moment, it really changes everything. Get them involved. Yes. (laughs) I love that. So you, as a child going off to school, you had some experiences where you and your food and the rest of the class didn't mix. Tell us about your upbringing and how that helped to shape what you do at Kids Table. My background is Nigerian. My parents are Nigerian. I grew up in a very Nigerian household. And, you know, my dad would often, you know, make my lunch for school and he would make different rice dishes and different stews that were like, very significant to our culture. Um, I grew up in Minneapolis and then we lived in a suburb called Bloomington. And, you know, my dad would just, he would pack my lunch with these different ethnic items, also mixed with American items as well. But there were just certain things that I love, like, you know, different Nigerian snacks that we had, like plantain chips. We have these little dough balls called puff puff. They're similar to like an American donut. Um, you know, I had all these different things that I loved and he would pack them in my lunch. And, you know, as I would go to school in a very predominantly like white American neighborhood, I would see that kids were eating very like, you know, burgers and French fries and pizza pockets and things of that sort. And there's also like milk served with every meal. And, you know, in a Nigerian diet, we don't have much dairy. Like we don't eat a lot of cheeses. There's not really a lot of milk or cream in any of our dishes. And so I would just kind of like perplexed a little bit. You know, my lunch was different than other kids. And, you know, you know, as I grew up, I just became friends with a lot of other ethnic kids. And I saw that their lunches were also different. And as I got older, I was just like, I don't understand, like, why, you know, we all live in America. America is this huge melting pot with tons of different cultures and food and people. And I'm just like, why aren't we all eating all the different foods together? And as I got older, I had, you know, friends in college that were like, you know, I've never had Indian food. I've never had Ethiopian food. I've never had Japanese food. And I was like, wow, there is this huge gap between where we live in America with all of these different cultures and food as if it's secondary or like completely outside of our country as if we'd have to travel to these places to eat this food. And, but, you know, as I became a chef, it was just always in the back of my mind, you know, how I could bridge this gap between culture and food and where we live. And, you know, the pandemic happened and I just saw this big opportunity to teach kids about culture and race and ethnicity and diversity. And it starts with food. And I think that's the most fun way to teach kids outside of a classroom about other cultures and diversity and inclusion. So that, you know, eventually as we progress and as we get older, 
you know, all these foods become normal foods. Um, the food that I eat can be in anyone's lunchbox. And the food that my Japanese friends had would be in anyone's lunchbox. And I really want to promote that. It's interesting that when I was a kid, you know, wherever we grew up, there were no Jewish people there. And, you know, even yeah. though Judaism is a religion, there's a Jewish culture, particularly around food. So when I was 12, we moved to a neighborhood that had a high uh, Jewish population. And I was introduced to things like locks and matzo balls and gefilte fish for the first time. It was so fascinating because these were foods that were very different for me, but I ended up loving them. They're my favorite foods now. And my neighbor, who was Hungarian, so Jewish and Hungarian, like her grandma would cook Hungarian foods and, and Jewish traditional foods. And my mom was cooking more American and Italian. And I remember that there were nights where we would literally switch houses. She would go and eat at my house and I would eat at her house because we just loved the other foods so much. You know, you, yes. you, said, you don't get to have that exposure typically. Yes, exactly. I think that we should truly change the way that we think about kids' food and we think about how that ties into education and learning about other cultures and other people and, you know, other practices. I see this, I have this vision where parents could literally take different countries around the world and tonight is, you know, Nigerian night and they could show the kids where is Nigeria on a map, what continent is it on, et cetera, and really talk about academics there and then serve food that are some of the, you know, favorite Nigerian foods. And then another night could be Japan or that could be a lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I believe that too. You know, I think, you know, as a kid, we ate dinner as a family. And I think, you know, as we get older and parents are much busier, it becomes harder to do. But I wanted to create the kids table to show that like you can have your dinner ready and then you can have your kids dinner already ready so that it's easy for you guys to sit at the table and have a good meal and have some of the same foods and be able to talk about other cultures and create a learning experience out of dining. You're saying parents can create their food however they want. They can either cook it or they might get it from a service or whatever. But instead of then saying, well, let me see what, what do I have in the cabinet that I can whip up for the kids? You're saying kids table would provide them with actually great, nutritious, different, diverse foods that they could have. That is the ultimate mission and goal of Kids Table. We deliver weekly meals and we are actually, in a couple of weeks, we're actually launching more family-style meals for the summer because a lot of the recipes that I make, you know, my biggest thing is that parents can eat this too. You know, if your kid doesn't finish their meal, this this meal is very adult-friendly. You know, we I love that, adult-friendly. Yeah. Yes, it's very adult friendly. And, you know, we wanted to make kid food real food. And so, you know, everything is 100% made from scratch. Everything is tested and tried and true. Our ingredients are sourced locally. And we really wanted to make it real food for kids and parents can eat it too. And we can create the family experience around food and culture. What are some of the kinds of foods that you offer through Kids Table? Does that mean uh, no mac and cheese? We were very no mac and cheese, but we are actually introducing a cauliflower mac and cheese or cauliflower and butterscotch mac and cheese um, in the next month um, because we wanted to have an item that is also like centered for like more younger kids like toddlers who are just now eating and just kind of like gaining their experience. And then we also did want to include American food as well. Some of our other items are Middle Eastern Tatar chicken bowl, 
Um, we have our Chinatown dumplings platter. We also have a Mexican, two different types of Mexican dishes that we serve. And then we also have a lot of various different types of snacks, all of our different fruit muffins. And we, in one of our muffins, we use a, like a chai spice and kind of like focus um, on an Indian inspired like dessert. And then we also have smoothies and juices. Um, and so you know, as the weather is warming up, parents, you know, have requested that they want something that their kid can drink or hydrate on or bring to camp or on the way to camp in the morning. We wanted to feature some things that also offered a really huge nutrition component. So you're saying kidstableny.com can just get the parent prepared for everything. Send the kids off in the morning, put this in their backpacks, make them dinner, like you've covered it all. We really want to help parents. So some parents, are they mix and match things, like maybe they get a breakfast and a lunch item, and then some parents, they just get dinner. And so we really want to help parents be able to put food on the table and make sure, you know, that it's healthy and it's delicious and that there's a learning component involved and that they also feel really confident about what they're feeding their kids. Wonderful. Now, you started your career in the world of technology and project management, so then you pivoted to becoming a chef. How did that happen? Yes, I started my career in tech, um, and I worked kind of in people operations and project management for various different startups in San Francisco. And, you know, I loved being in San Francisco and working in the tech industry. You know, as people know, it's a very glamorous world in the tech industry, you know. Your offices are, you know, laid out with different activities to do and wellness rooms, you know, a fridge that's super is stocked with snacks and kombucha, and they just really make the work environment a place to be. However, I just didn't feel like I loved tech. I didn't feel like I, you know, really could grow, you know, as an African-American woman and primarily a white male dominant industry. I just didn't really see, you know, much growth for myself. Now the tech industry has progressed like crazy and there's tons of different companies that are super, super diverse. So after a few years of working in tech, I just, you know, kind of question, you know, what's next? What should I do? And one thing I've always known as I've always had an entrepreneur spirit since I was a kid. You know, I would set up lemonade stands. I would babysit other kids in the neighborhood. I would fundraise selling Girl Scout cookies or, you know, holiday packages. You know, I was always a kid that, you know, loved working on projects and like building something. And so I knew that's one thing that I did know was that I had this entrepreneurial spirit. I also knew that I loved food. I loved cooking. I loved nutrition. And at the time I was going through a weight loss journey and, you know, learning different things about my health. And so I, you know, did a lot of research and kind of like discovered that New York was like this food culinary capital and also the wellness industry was coming up. Um, and so I moved to New York. So you I moved, moved to, to New York for the food. Yes, exactly. Like everyone dies. I love it. I love it. I decided to get a couple of different certification, wellness certifications. I decided to go to nutrition school and then also culinary school. And while I was in culinary school to like kind of make ends meet, I was like, you know, maybe I'll start babysitting. And then I went from babysitting to becoming a high profile nanny and working for all these different families. And I absolutely loved it. Um, you know, I love spending my days with kids, going to culinary school and kind of learning about food and building my culinary career while spending time with the kids. So after I finished culinary school, I didn't want to let go of these families that I was working for. And so instead of going into the restaurant world, 
I decided to go into the private chef world and I serviced many different families. And, you know, while I was cooking, I would do different dinner parties and, you know, fancy catering gigs and, you know, garden parties and all the things. But something always stuck to me. And it was like, I loved cooking with the kids. I love having the kids in the kitchen with, you know, I loved, you know, making different things for them to try. And the pandemic happened. And I wanted to find a way to kind of bridge this gap between, you know, my love for kids, my love for food. I wasn't doing a lot of private chef gigs because, you know, everyone was in lockdown. There weren't a lot of events happening. Families were at home. You know, we were social distancing. And so in the pandemic, I did a lot of virtual cooking classes for families. I did a lot of consulting with other food tech companies that were kind of finding a way to service the families. And then I myself was kind of brainstorming, you know, what could I do, you know, to fill my time, you know, to make an income, but also, you know, to take the opportunity to like start something new. And I saw this gap between, you know, the culinary industry and kid food. And I did a ton of research. I went to grocery stores. I looked at kid food online. I bought tons of kid food to taste and try. And then, you know, as the pandemic like started opening up, I, you know, went back to some of my families with recipes that I had tested and tried. And I was like, try these recipes. I want to see if they work. If they work, you know, I want to create something out of this. I don't know if it's going to be like a restaurant or a pop-up or a delivery service. I'm just not sure yet. And, you know, as parents were getting kids to try the food, they're like, you should definitely do a delivery service. Like that would be amazing, especially in New York busy parents, they want food, they want it healthy, they want it delicious, they want it to be diverse. And I came up with Kids Table. That's fantastic. Congratulations. And Thank for all you. of our listeners, I hope that something that we all take away is that we could put a little bit more energy and pay a little bit more attention to kids' food and come up with some interesting, intriguing options and try to get them to expand their palates. So now, Amnesia, you embarked and you, you referenced this you embarked on an amazing journey of significant weight loss by changing your eating habits and working out. And in 2017, you posted a YouTube video that I watched talking about how you found in the workout world that you were rather alone as the rare woman of color in the gym. Tell me more about that journey. And is it still like that today? I, you know, noticed that the wellness journey just really lacked diversity. And I found it pretty strange because a lot of wellness practices stem from, you know, indigenous groups of people, whether it's yoga, whether it's meditation, whether it's, you know, different types of ingredients like turmeric or ginger um, that people often take for inflammation or digestion or like, you know, different adaptogens. I knew that these things were coming from other places and other cultures and people of color, but instead it was just math, just one-sided world. And then also size-wise, I saw, you know, that the only people that were in yoga classes or, you know, welcomed into like different types of wellness events were, it was always a very thin model like woman because, you know, that's how our society illustrates what wellness and what fitness looks like. Right. And I, you know, began meeting other friends that were like me, um, who love to work out, who love to eat healthy, who love to go to the farmer's market. Together, we just realized that, you know, the wellness industry was really, really lacking diversity and inclusion in the space, whether it was size, culture, race, ethnicity. And I really wanted to change that. I think that's a worthy goal. 
I get concerned when I see television commercials for fast food and they definitely target people of color. You don't see the skinny white woman driving up to the window to pick up the food, you know, and I worry about that because I feel like what's the message we're sending out there and how are we ensuring that we're inclusive in all things, particularly in wellness and healthy eating? Yes, exactly. I mean, you know, I think a lot of these things, things stem politically that, you know, our system is very chaotic and crazy, you know, in America. And I think, you know, as the pandemic happened, I think a lot of these issues came up and people started realizing, you know, hey, we're pushing a wrong message about people of color and we're not including people of color in our spaces, in our branding, in our marketing, in our sales pitches, in our investments in our schools and all the things, I think people really started to realize like this, this was a problem and we are starting to see some change. We know statistically, even just looking at children coming up through the schools, that the population is shifting very much to be a much more multicultural population and to be much more, a higher percentage, actually a majority of people of color. So we need to make sure that we're creating an inclusive world Yes, exactly. Which is another reason why I created Kids Table. I didn't just want to serve Nigerian food or my kind of food. I wanted to create a company and a service that implemented all different cultures. Because again, it starts with kids and how we educate our kids and how we bring our kids up because they are the future. So, you know, if we steer away from teaching them this whole like segregation approach to, you know, the issues that we have in America and allowing them to have an opportunity to learn about other cultures and, you know, create this like unified culture in here in our country. So you're unifying us all through food. Yes. (laughs) So what's next for you on your entrepreneurial journeys? I mean, I have so many ideas. I mean, right now I'm very much so focused on growing Kids Table as a platform and a service, but I also, you know, I'm, all immersed in the world of children and education. And my next thing is actually publishing a book, a a book that I recently wrote for kids. So I'm shopping around for different illustrators and a a literary agent to get that book published. And then eventually, you know, I would love to open an educational space for children to learn about food. Instead of just delivering food to families, you know, I want to create a space where kids can come and take cooking classes. Um, They can do an after school program there. They can celebrate their birthday and really learn about food and cooking, whether that's savory food or sweets or pastries, you know, I want to create this fun space that involves food. I think, you know, again, when we think about kids and activities, you know, we see a lot of sports or we see a lot of piano lessons, ballet classes and things like that, but we don't really see a lot of extracurriculars surrounded by food and nutrition. And I really want to create a space that allows that. That is a great idea. And I, and I think it would be a big hit. Yes. Yeah. So, so keep going in that direction. And, and I wish you luck in getting your uh, book out there and published when you do let me know. We'll have you back to talk about the book. Yeah. Let's unwrap the learning. What do you want parents to know about kids eating? I think one is, you know, be open to diversifying the food, whether it's when you're ordering takeout or you're trying a new restaurant, you know, be open to bringing your child and allowing them to try the food The other thing I think parents should know about food is not to feel guilty when it comes to feeding your kid. You know, as many professionals will tell you, you know, a kid will never starve himself. And, you know, maybe your kid doesn't eat 
a ton of different varieties of food now, but eventually as they explore, as they grow, as they, you know, make new friends who are eating different foods, and maybe they might be at a birthday party, eventually they're going to try new things and they will but, be able but to do develop stay away palate. from the caffeinated coffee and chocolate chip. <laughs> yes, 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 exactly. Um, and another thing, lastly, I, I want parents to know about food is that it's important to get your kids involved, get them involved in cooking, get them involved in the grocery runs. I know a lot of times, you know, as a parent, you know, you're rushing and you're like, I don't have time to deal with my kid and picking up the groceries or cooking or spilling things all over the counter. But I really think it's important to make time, whether that's on a weekend um, or if you, you know, have some time after school and you're starting dinner a little bit earlier, get them involved in chopping or throwing things in a bowl or setting the table. And again, when you're out at the grocery store or at the market, you know, allowing them to pick out items and try new things and allowing them to build their confidence with food. I think that's my biggest takeaway is get kids involved. Because even when I think about as a youngster, my dad was always building things, taking apart things, you know, creating. And I would always be working closely with him and he would always involve me in that. And as a result, I ended up becoming a math teacher because we built a clubhouse together and he had me creating blueprints and everything else because I was involved. And I think it's the same thing if you are involved. The, the times that I was involved with my mom in cooking, well, those are some of my favorite recipes that I make today. So the more we involve children at a young age in really exploring the world of food, the more that they'll grow up with that kind of openness. And I think that's wonderful. I think everything you're doing, Anisia, is wonderful. I wish you the best with kidstableny.com. And thanks for being with me today on the show. Thank you so much, Nancy. This was so, so exciting. As you can tell, I just light up when it comes to talking about kids and food. It's my biggest passion. And I want other people to learn about the way that they feed their kids, um, whether they have kids or not. Some of them may be teachers or pediatricians. I think it's important. So this is a very, very fun conversation. Mm -hmm. The questions were awesome. And it really allowed me to express the passion that I have for kids and culinary. So thank you so much for this opportunity. Well, that's a wrap. I'm glad you could join me. I hope you'll subscribe, like, and share this podcast and help me spread the word about the power of learning. Till next time.